0: food
1: From the Not A Foodie studio in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, at Radio Rampa, it's the Not A Foodie show on 620 AM. Hey, I'm Tom. Are you? <laughs> I'm Tom. <clears throat> hey, Mike, how's it going? I'm great. I know who I am. You're Mike? Yeah. That's Mike Moranti over there. <laughs> we are the Not A Foodie show, a food and food culture radio show and podcast coming at you from Brooklyn, New York. Um, Mike. Let's start like we always start. Let's start food with Food News. Food yep. News. I'm am going to compose a jingle. Food we News should. jingle. It's long time coming. Yeah. So so it's been a it's been a week, man. It's been a, it's been a good week in Food News. What do you got? You got anything? Yeah. Um
0: Momofuku Milk Bar. Yeah. No longer selling crack pie. Yes. I know. I'm not sure what they're changing it to.
1: It's just called. Um, it's 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 so I don't think it's Momofuku Milk Bar anymore. Anyway. It's just Milk Bar. Milk Bar. Um. So Milk Bar is now the Milk Bar famous crack pie is now just Milk Bar pie.
0: Milk Bar pie. Yes. So there's um in Michigan in it start the first one was in Grand Rapids but there's probably three or four of them now. Uh, it's called Hopcat. It's this really great like gastropub giant place, and they were famous for crack fries. And they changed it uh, last year to Galaxy Fries, I think. Oh, okay. So all these places with big names, which sell something called crack, are no longer selling crack.
1: <laughs> Wait, how do you feel about that?
0: Uh, it's good. I um, I, I never saw anyone smoke crack until I moved up
1: to Harlem. <laughs> no, it, but you've seen like, people do cocaine.
0: Not, not for. No? Not the majority of my life like
1: No, but you've seen people do cocaine.
0: Yeah, about the same time I saw it's people It's the same smoke thing. Crack. It's the same thing. No, you you smoke crack. Yeah,
1: but you could smoke cocaine too.
0: I've never seen okay, whatever. Yes. But it's it's bad. It's not bad like oh like I'm I may call the cops on you bad. Like addiction's really bad. That that's like Of course. It, and so if you're going to I think
1: that I think it, that people It's a good move. It, is what I'm saying. I think that um so I, I am I I am, I think that there is being offensive and then there's being insensitive. And I think that this is insensitive. I think that this is being insensitive. I think that mm-hmm. naming something crack is being insensitive. Um, like, you know, crack has this, you know, crack is whack. Right? It has a stigma, which uh, it should. It's, you know, it's a drug that can really ruin people's lives. But, you know, it doesn't have the same stigma that cocaine had. And mm-hmm. it's the same drug. That's what I was getting at. Cocaine yeah. and crack are the same exact thing. Except crack is the rock and cocaine is crushed up. And, you know, cocaine is for rich white people and crack was for poor black people. And mm-hmm. that's why, like, that, that was the perception and that's why I think that oh. there was this big issue yeah. is that, you know, you're, you're calling something crack because it, it could be conceived as, you know, it's insensitive, mm-hmm. right? Um, I am all for it and I am all for, um, I'm all for renaming it. I mean, I think that you know, I think Um, that it was just an outdated sort of term, and I'm fine with it. Yeah,
0: and if a place tomorrow opened up like and they were selling a crack burger, I wouldn't be like, oh, go boycott those guys. I'd be like, maybe,
1: maybe change your name. name." I mean, but like when you get down to it, you're opening, (laughs) you're running a business that is catering to uh, as many people as possible. Why alienate anybody, Mm -hmm. right? So it's a business. I understand it's a business decision, um, and you know, and I'm fine with it. (laughs) Yeah. I um I have some food news too that I wanted to share. Do you remember early on in uh I think it was maybe our first episode we did a whole segment on food predictions? Yeah. For it was for 2019 uh-huh. I guess it was. Do you remember what one of my pred- predictions was? No. <laughs> Do you remember I, if any you tell, of my- if
0: you tell me this thing, I'll be able to tell you if you predicted it.
1: Okay, that a major fast food chain within the year 2019 is going to release a CBD product. Oh, yeah. Yes. So McDonald's is doing it? Nope. Wendy's. Nope. Burger King. Nope. Chick-fil-A. Carl's Jr.
0: They're not major.
1: Yeah, sure they are. Carl's Jr. is major just because they're not here. <laughs> <coughs> Carl's Jr. Ju- Mike, are you okay? Did you smoke crack before you no, came I'm on just, the air? Is I, that what's going I, the on? The pollen
0: is out of this <laughs> world, and I'm dying.
1: So Carl's Jr. is going to be the the first major fast food chain um, to have a cannabis infused burger. So it's not just CBD. It's um oh no, it is CBD. I'm sorry. It's a CBD burger. It is debuting the burger only in um, one place right now. Denver. In Denver. Yeah. Guess what the release date is. Four twenty. Yes. Guess how much it costs. Four dollars and twenty cents. Yes.
0: That's great. All right,
1: A-plus to the marketing department. (laughs) It is called... Wait, it gets better. It is called the Cheeseburger Delight, the CBD. It'll be topped with CBD-infused Santa Fe sauce, and it's only going to be sold at one location in Denver for one day. Um, But they are using this as a test market to see if it would be popular everywhere. So they
0: test everything for fast food in, like, Ohio, in, like, one town in Ohio. Mm -hmm. And, like... I feel like taking a weed thing and putting it in a weed city isn't the best way to test it.
1: Um, I so one of the things that they were talking about is that um, unless it fails, then you know it's going to fail. Every yes, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But one of the things that they were also talking about was that it's it's more than just a stunt. It's more than just this like one day sort of sales stunt. They were talking about like all of the other franchises. They like they want to gauge how much their how much interest they have in this. You know they want to show that they that Carls jr. would support something like this and then work with all the other franchises to to see whether or not you know it would be something that's viable to sell in there in, in a
0: city where marijuana' has been legal for like half a decade, I can't imagine people are going to be like waiting out the door for a Carls jr. burger.
1: Oh, it's a novelty. People wait out the door for for any of that stuff i mean i I don't know I think I think it'll it'll be a wild success for that one day in Denver. I don't know. Like, we've we've talked about CBD. Too much at this I, point. There's no, like, n- the problem with <laughs> CBD is that you can't, no one knows what it does, right? Like, no one knows if there's, you know, psychoactive effects or, or anything like that. Like, no one really knows down to a science level what it does because... We're not allowed to study it. Like the government's not really allowed to study it because or, or widely allowed to study it because it's illegal in some places or it's not seen as legal in some places. It's a very gray area. so there's no like there's no um real, you know, crazy, good scientific studies that have been done on it. So CBD in itself is just a marketing gimmick, you know
0: uh-huh, a million percent
1: and so adding it to a burger, like that's I, I think that it's a marketing gimmick, but so is everything else. So is like you know having the McDLT where you've got the cold on one side and the hot on the other side. That's a mark. Do you remember the mark? You looking at me like I'm crazy. Don't you don't remember, remember the McDLT? You were. I mean, it came out before you were born. Oh, it was in the '90s. I
0: was born in the
1: '90s. Yeah, but you were born like you know late '90s. Like, you weren't. You weren't. Yeah, that's late. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't eating burgers in the '90s. It, Kurt like... Cobain
0: was alive when I was born.
1: <laughs> um. So the McDLT, just to explain to our millennial <laughs> listeners, the McDLT was something that. McDonald's rolled out where it was, um, I thought it was genius. It was, your burger came in a, a package where the bottom half of the bun and the meat patty were on one side and the top half of the bun with all of the cold stuff, the tomatoes and lettuce and sauce and stuff were on the other side and the box folded in half so that you can keep the hot stuff hot, the cold stuff cold and just put it together when you were ready to... To eat it so like the lettuce wouldn't get mushy the tomatoes wouldn't get mushy and things like that i thought it was a genius idea it failed
0: everybody crushes mcdonald's burgers as soon as they get them
1: i think that might have been part of the problem but i mean they, they were going hired me in the 90s they were going for like a fresher look and i don't know why they call them mcdlt i think that was ridiculous but like they were going for like uh you know hey this is not just a re- like a regular mcdonald's hamburger doesn't have lettuce and tomato and all that you have to like ask for all of that do stuff. you
0: remember so the that. salad shakers from mcdonald's
1: yeah yeah of course
0: but then they were like oh you could just put everything in a box and shake it too <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah so i mean anyway that's that any other food news
0: uh massimo Bottura named uh times 100 most influential people of the year
1: i or... love massimo Bottura. massimo Bottura is one of my favorite uh one of my favorite people like in the food world these days And who's my other favorite person? Guy Fieri. (laughs) No. Won won a Nobel Prize. Makes giant paellas. Sounds like Guy
0: Fieri, Tom.
1: (laughs) Jose Andres is my other favorite person. So anyone who's at the intersection of doing social good and cooking, those are my favorite people. So why... Shout Massimo. out
0: to our boy Matt Jaswiak. Oh, yeah. Matt Jaswiak. Foreca- we've
1: got foreshadowing. a foreshadowing. Speaking of that, yeah, we've got a great guest today. You guys are going to love it. It's um, Matt Joswiak. He's
0: the most talented person that we've had in here.
1: Uh, he, uh, way to throw all of our other guests under I, the bus. Well, he
0: cooked at Noma and Alinea and EMP.
1: Yeah. So that, he, yeah. Well, uh, before we talk about <laughs> Matt, let's talk about Massimo. Why, what, what's going on with Massimo?
0: Massimo started up a charity. Yes, he's helping a lot of people. He's feeding a lot of people. He's just being an all-around good dude. But
1: what's his charity? Do you know what it does? I don't have my phone on me. So <laughs> dude, do, do no preparation. I, I you just—I
0: you... remember that it happened.
1: <laughs> so he has, um, and I don't—I haven't—I thought you did the research on this. He, I, Tom, so, have you
0: been part of this <laughs> podcast at all?
1: I, um, so, so he has a—it's a soup kitchen, essentially in um, in Italy. Where he serves it's I don't know if it's in Modena or not I think it might be um, but it, he serves like gourmet meals to you know people who can't afford them who can't afford food who can't afford to eat
0: in Italy it's not illegal to steal food
1: yes if you're if you're if you're feeding yeah, your, uh, your you know, food insecure yes food insecure um but yeah so he he did that and he's his goal I think is to have these sorts of soup kitchens everywhere um, but they're you know they're we say soup kitchens, but they are really like long tables, communal tables serving really, really great food that is donated from other places. Um, so it actually does go very well with the theme for, mm-hmm. you know, for the show, which is we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but, yeah, he's he's just a great person, um, Masa Mogador. Have you, have you heard him talk or seen any of his? I watched
0: the first episode of uh, Chef's Table that he does. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just little things here or there. I know he's super tight with the Cosme uh kitchen. Oh, yeah, whenever he's in New York, he just hangs he's out there. at Cosme. Yeah,
1: <laughs> well, I he's so he he's one of the greatest restaurateurs, you know, in the world. One of the best, you know, he, he operates one of the best restaurants in the world, but he's also opening up these series of places. I think he's opening up a new one in Sydney, Australia, too, and like a, a soup kitchen, uh, or what does he call them? He calls them like um community table, community restaurants for the homeless in Sydney. So he's a great person, you know, keep keep that up. Anyway, um, we've got a really good show today. We've got special guests. Um, Matt Joswiak is coming. Uh, Matt, like I said, runs Rethink Food, um, which I'm going to give you the URL because there's not too many times that we can promote this guy because this is such a great cause. Rethinkfood.nyc. Um, I know you haven't heard him speak yet, but go to their website and check it out and donate money to him. Basically, he is trying to tackle the problem of food waste in New York. We live in a city where people are spending e- an exorbitant amount of money on food, and so much of it goes to waste while so many people are going hungry, and they don't know where their next meal is coming from. And And Matt just has these, this great solution that is just simple and elegant and, and amazing. He was just a great person to to meet, and I can't wait to talk to him later on on the show. So stick around. That's coming. This is the Not A Foodie Show, at Not A Foodie Show on Twitter and Instagram, and we'll be back in a minute. See ya. Hey, Mike, where are we? We're in beautiful Greenpoint, Brooklyn at the BK Media Studio. The BK Media Studio is the home of the Not A Foodie podcast. It's so much better than my dining room table where we started this little venture.
0: It has full video capabilities, full audio
1: capabilities. If you're looking for a studio to record a podcast, to do an interview, to record a YouTube show or anything, think of the BK Media Studio. The number is 917-300-9123. You can come in, take a tour, book a session, tell them that the Not A Foodie Show sent you, and I'm sure we'll work out some sort of a discount. BK Media Studio in the heart of Greenpoint, Brooklyn.
0: Right next to the G train.
1: Brooklyn's most convenient studio. And we are back with the Not A Foodie Show on Radio Rampa, 620 AM, at Not A Foodie Show on Twitter, at Not A Foodie Show on Instagram. Hey Mike, Hey. What's up, Mike? How you doing? <laughs> Mike, you know what I want to talk about? I have a guess. <laughs> I want to talk about Red Sauce Italian. I know a guy who could tell you about Red Sauce. <laughs> so, I, I I was scrolling through Twitter yesterday. It and is Twitter. It, it, what, it, it has taken over Twitter. Well, oh, my God. It's taken over food Twitter. So, Red Sauce Italian. Bon Appetit magazine. Just did this a amazing, like it's just an amazing compilation of um, of articles and um, just little quotes here and there about red sauce Italian joints. So it's called Red Sauce America, and it's in Bon Appetit. You know, you can go online and you can find it. And it's Roxane Gay's in it. There's a lot of really good writers, I, and I mean, it's it's a whole bunch of writers just talking about amazing, you know, the, the classic red sauce Italian-American sort of food. You know, chicken parm, clams casino, things did, like that. Did you read the one about the server of Bomonti's? I saw that they did a whole article about it. Have you been to Bomonti's? No.
0: I, I. So I'm very particular with red sauce joints because
1: 99% of them are awful. Bomonti's is not. Bomonti's is, is not. Fantastic. Um, In fact, I have been wanting to take you to Bomonti's, and not. Um, I am not, like, BSing right now. I thought maybe tonight we could go to Bomonti's. I don't think we'd be able to get in tonight after this article yeah. um, came out.
0: Eater, a while ago, did like the top 15 red sauce joints in the city or whatever, but they won nowhere near as in-depth as this piece Two, totally neglected Don Pep's. <laughs> which yes. Which Don, Don Pepe's is an entourage famous. Uh, it was a whole story arc about bringing Don Pepe's to L.A. Uh, that's my favorite red sauce joint in Queens. Okay, I I've been to Parkside once.
1: I well,
0: let's before we okay, before
1: yeah. we do that. Let's let's <laughs> let's,
0: let's back up and let's say, talk like, about what Italian American. What's,
1: what's red sauce? What's Fine. a red sauce joint? What's I, the difference? So Go a, ahead. A, you, a red you sauce got it.
0: joint is an Italian American restaurant. Yes, it's not an Italian restaurant. Just like how Chinese food is not Chinese food; it's Chinese American.
1: It was food... well, 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 like Chinese takeout yeah. is not Chinese yeah. food. Yeah, it was
0: food brought by the Italians but changed for the American palate. So like chicken parm is not Italian; it's Italian American. Yeah, getting pasta as a side dish is Italian American. In it, in Italy, pasta is a course. Right. Um, it the the classic movie, uh, Big Night.
1: Oh, early, one of my favorites. Early
0: '90s movie with uh Stanley, T- it's
1: written by Stanley Tucci. R- directed? I, well, was it directed? I don't know. He he was definitely involved. Uh, yeah, right. And Tony director. Shalhoub. Yep. Um. They with Minnie the, Driver and Campbell Scott, and a whole bunch and of other who's
0: people. the uh, the Italian actress, too, Isabella Rossellini. Yeah. Uh, yeah. out of this world movie. Um, the whole thing is these two Italian brothers are making real Italian food in the 50s on the Jersey Shore where everyone wants red sauce food. Mm-hmm. And so there's a couple that comes in, and she's like,
1: It's the opening scene of the movie, yeah. So it's like, it's my favorite opening food she, scene to a movie. She's
0: like, I thought you said I was getting seafood and rice. He's like, yeah, this is ri- seafood risotto. She's complaining about how long it took because he- they're making risotto from scratch. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, don't I get a side of pasta? Don't <laughs> I get a side of spaghetti? And I, no, okay, well, I will I want a side of spaghetti, but give him the meatballs. He's like, sorry, uh, it's just spaghetti. There's no meatballs. Why? Uh-huh. Because sometimes spaghetti uh, like to be alone. <laughs> Which... <laughs> Is I didn't know justice, but is one of the funniest well, lines. Ever. I think
1: the, my my favorite part of that scene is when uh, when so it's the waiter in the front, Primo, and then Segundo or, or Primo, I'm sorry, is the chef, and yeah. Segundo is his brother, who's the front of house guy, and he goes to the back, he goes to his brother, who's the chef, and says, you know, she wants a pasta, and he's like, what do you mean a pasta? He goes, it's a starch. You can't have a two starches on the same plate, and then. He, uh, Primo, the chef, is like, maybe we should serve her. And he starts to, like, he's pretending that he doesn't know what he's saying. He's pretending that he's trying to find the English word for something. And he's like, ah, ha, 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 hot dogs. We should g- just give hot dogs to everybody. <laughs> and so anyway, yes. Mark Anthony's in that movie, too. Yes, waiter. he is. He's Very the Very young Mark Anthony. Very young Mark Anthony. Um,
0: <laughs> so anyway, awesome movie. You should go watch it. But
1: well, that is an Italian restaurant yes. in a red sauce Italian world.
0: And red sauce joints will always be near and dear to my heart. Me too. Um, Me too. The restaurant that I've had the most meals at in the world no longer exists. It was on Metropolitan Avenue in Forest Hills. It was called Tutto Bene, which means everything's good. hmm um, All it, good. It was across the street from my dad's office. Okay. So we ate there more than anywhere else. And, like, when I thought of Italian food for a long time, that's what I thought of. Chicken scarparella. Uh, veal sorrentino, which is my favorite dish ever, and baked clams, which I think is the most quintessential Italian
1: appetizer. I think baked clams are... More than fried calamari. Yeah, baked clams is one of those things where I I think that is one of my favorite um, red sauce joint sort of Italian-American staples is baked clams. There's
0: nothing better than dipping the bread into the baked clam
1: butter and Excess. juice and garlic yeah. and, and everything. And it all up. Yeah. I, I mean, my favorite red sauce story was, you know, less, uh, just a few months ago, we had some friends visiting and um, they, were com- they were coming from Australia and they kept hearing that we have to go to Carbone because Carbone is the best Italian, you know, in the city and it's a dining experience and everything like that. So we took them to Carbone and Carbone, for those of you who don't know, if you're not in New York or if you just don't know, it's Carbone is if you were to take... A 1950s Italian um, restaurant, red sauce joint that you would see in like movies, and just make it a caricature of itself. Make it just over the top, like a movie version of what what an Italian. The waiters are wearing like you know they're wearing their suits, but they're like the red suits and tuxedos, red velvet, you know, tuxedos and bow ties and. And they come out with the, you know, with the prosciutto and the cheese and, and things like that. But it's over the top. It is a gourmet sort of version of the red sauce train. Anyway, we took them to this restaurant. We sat down. They give you these comically oversized menus, like just these giant menus that you have to hold. I mean, I'm spreading my arms apart. You can't see on radio, the radio. But like you're holding the menu like this. No one at the table can see each other. Everybody's like look trying to look over the menu, right? And The menu like pops down, and my Australian friend's like, What's veal parmesan? Like, I don't understand that. Is that Italian? That's not Italian. I've never heard of that before. I was like, No, it's Italian American. It's just made up here, and it is the best thing that we're getting one for the table. Like, we're getting a veal parmesan. For the table table. orders. Oh, that's
0: red sauce joints, probably the.
1: It's mostly family style. The original for the table orders. Even if
0: it's not a family style restaurant, you still get something. (laughs) order of baked clams for the table. order of uh, rigot, uh not rigot, ricotta, no. Eh, ricotta. No, no, no. What am I? <laughs> I don't know what
1: you're. Manicot. Talking. Oh, Order
0: manicot for the table, which are like stuffed pastas. They're like individual baby lasagnas,
1: <laughs> or like really big ravioli. So, at, um, you were talking about uh, what was it? Tuta bene? Tutu bene. bene. What did you get when you were there? Oh, I was a kid, so
0: chicken scarparella, chicken parm, baked clams, broccoli rob. So like probably like four or five things at the same time. I sometimes my dad would just order things because he was there every day, so the chefs would make him things. I was actually that was my first job. I was a busboy there. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh. <laughs> You're so proud of that. Oh, ah, yeah. <laughs> now, while we're talking about it. Um. So, I'm, I'm I so this this article just hit home for me because no. I mean that's what I I thought that this was I I thought Italian food was what I had on Sundays at my grandparents' house. I thought it was pasta with meatballs and- Sunday sauce. Sunday sauce, you know. And so red sauce joints, that's, that's what it was. It was an extension of my Sunday table, right? And then I, I guess, I don't know, when I moved into Manhattan and I started going to Italian restaurants, you know, we always can, we always when like went to to Babo for the first time. Or any place like that. We were just like, oh, this is Northern Italian. This is not what we grew up with. This is not how we do it, you know, but it's, it's Italian food. And every time I would take somebody from back home out to dinner to an Italian place, I'd have to say, you know, it's Northern Italian. <laughs> it's, it, which, it was totally untrue, but it was the best way for me to sort of mm-hmm. describe it. Right? Anything
0: like Southern Italians, like Calabrian hot peppers, and like well, really...
1: I mean, this is more the red sauce sort of stuff is more Southern Italian than it is Northern Italian. But you know, it one has nothing it's, to do no, with the American. other. It was it's just it's Italian American. It's, it's um, but I, I don't know, like I oh
0: Alfredo is the most Italian American thing. You can't get actual. They don't make Alfredo... Alfredo, Alfredo Alfredo sauce in Italy except for tourists.
1: Yeah, I mean, I that. I never even got Alfredo when I was here. I don't know. No, think, it's a it's, it's a
0: ridiculous thing to order. It's, yeah, it's just gross. heavy
1: cream. It's gross. My favorite Italian American thing to order. So there's definitely the clams. I would go with um some sort of pasta, but I would always get like a veal salt and boca. Veal salt and boca was mm-hmm. like my favorite. The um it's veal with um, prosciutto with um mozzarella. cheese on top, yeah, mozzarella cheese on top, but the sage leaves. You always put sage leaves in the yeah. sauce or like underneath the cheese. And they crisp up and it's just, it's delicious. Yeah, that's, so that's like my favorite.
0: Sorrentino thing. is that except with eggplant. Yeah. In a, like a brown sauce. Well, no,
1: but gravy. you can do, no, Sorrentino is a brown gravy. This is a. The, but
0: with, with eggplant. And, but you, could
1: eggplant sure. you can do an eggplant salt and boca. You can do an eggplant. Yeah. Veal yeah. Sorrentino. <sighs> I mean, you could do a veal Sorrentino. I forget exactly what it is, but I mean, there's a difference between a Sorrentino and a saltimbocca. No, no,
0: because it's, it's brown sauce and with eggplant.
1: Right, but that I'm um, saying that the difference between a Sorrentino and a saltimbocca is that is what just eggplant brown sauce. Oh, oh, and you're eggplant. talking about you're putting eggplant on top of it. Yes. Yeah, it's one yeah, of the yeah, layers. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I thought you were talking about that like it substitutes the um, that it's that it substitutes the veal.
0: No, no, it's veal and then layers of eggplant, right. prosciutto, and mozzarella yes. with a brown sauce. Yes, you're having. A, I was very of course. No, I thought okay. you were having like a seizure. Or no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I thought I thought you didn't know what the hell you were talking about. That's... That you were talking about how like you're substituting veal for eggplant. I'm like, I don't know where. What I'm never going. I'm glad that place Tooth of it closed because I'm never going there.
0: Imagine you order veal and you get eggplant. No,
1: no. <laughs> um. So why why do you think that they decided at this moment, Bon Appetit magazine, to do this like red sauce America?
0: Uh, I, actually, my guess we're in like this time of nostalgia. And in food especially, you have all these new things happening constantly where sometimes you just need, like, comfort food. What? My, my like, death row meal is a Sunday gravy, Sunday sauce. A bunch, give me sausage and meatballs and brujol and red sauce with some pasta on the side and a big helping of regret. And I'm yeah. in heaven. That's literally, if, I, like, if you told me, like, this is going to be the last thing you eat, that's what I'm picking.
1: I don't know about that for me, but uh, it would definitely be some sort of a red sauce meal. I don't know what it would be. I don't think it would be pasta because I mean, honestly, I used to have pasta every week. So, and I still I had some this week. I had meatballs and pasta. It was uh, we went to my parents' house and and we still have it once in a while when we go over there. Um, But it would definitely be something like that. It would be a red sauce Italian would be my last meal if I had to choose the
0: the hot sausage the Mm -hmm. day after. Uh, on Monday. That's like the best thing in the world. <laughs> the leftover hot sausage, room temperature. Still it with a little bit of sauce on it cuz you put it all in the Polio containers of uh, that you cleaned out.
1: Yeah. I, I so this there is a series in this Bon Appetit um there I mean it's it's a couple dozen articles that are just all about red sauce Italian, everything from, you know, talking about um talking about different restaurants that busboys have been there for 50 years or waiters have been there for 50 years, the one at Bomonti's. He's um, the
0: longest-standing employee, and he came there without speaking English, but he spoke, like, seven other languages. (laughs) So they're like, oh, you'll figure English out eventually.
1: But there's a whole bunch of other articles. So it's like they talk about, um, you know, chicken parm and the invention of chicken parm. They talk about limoncello and you know the after dinner drinks and desserts and stuff like that oh espresso the, and sambuca the one that hit well first of all all right before i get into this if i i always found that the true measure of a italian restaurant a real italian restaurant was when they would put the bottle of buca on the table yeah um so you buy you get your espresso they put a bottle of Zambuca on the table sometimes there's a little line drawn on it the bottle where the level of alcohol is so that they know how much you drank um sometimes they just put it out on the table for you you know Um, so I always thought that that was really cool, but the article that jumped out at me in this series of articles is that the true measure of a red sauce restaurant is the antipasto platter. What you, and I wouldn't say that it's the antipasto platter. I would say that it's what you get before the meal for
0: free. Yeah. So, cause when you say antipasto platter, first off, there's hot antipasto and cold antipasto. Right. And that's a total two totally different things. And
1: I I did not read this article yet. Yeah. I haven't read this article yet, but it made me think of my favorite Italian places. My favorite red sauce giants are the ones that give you something. It's in the advance. only good thing at Parkside. Oh well, that's what I was gonna say. You love you you love to dis Park- Parkside Parkside. I think like, I don't is, think it's bad. I no, just think I it's overrated.
0: I I don't think it's expensive. I think it's well priced. I think it's fine. But people in Queens. Think I love. Like,
1: I don't think no. I don't think it's a be all end all, but it's it is a place that I love to go, um, mostly because of the big bowl of bread that you get, prosciutto bread, you get lard bread, you get some cheeses. antipasto, you get some yeah. cheeses. It all just comes out. You sit down at the table and it just all comes right there.
0: It's like Italian banchan.
1: <laughs> it just comes with everything. Um, what's so? What is your favorite out of the antipasto? What do you what do you like? Um, the uh, the super salt. Super salad? Super sad. So I like um, any sort of prosciutto bread or, or lard bread. Um, you know, just bread with meat. and What is lard and, bread? Yeah. Yeah. There bread with meats and cheeses in it. Bread that has little, like, like the lardons of, of mm-hmm. bacon and prosciutto, not, not smoked, but like baked into it. Um, but I also really love marinated um, mushrooms. Marinated mushrooms. I don't like
0: the texture of them. Yeah, They're cold. They're I love them. Yeah,
1: I love them. I love marinated mushrooms, and I love a really good, um, grilled, cold, marinated eggplant.
0: Also, good olive oil.
1: Good olive oil. If they
0: give you like good olive oil that they have like with the uh the ba- the dried oregano and basil and pepper and everything in it already. And it's just meant to dip.
1: Mm-hmm. Killer. Yeah, I. I mean, I. It's. It just takes me home, like it's one mm-hmm. of those things that I grew up with. It takes me home. Maybe it's a nostalgia thing, like you said, but I really do think that the red sauce Italian joints, especially in New York, are you know are things that I grew up. But what I what I realize is that from reading these articles and from traveling, that m- most major cities where there ever was an Italian population have you know these red sauce joints. Like there are red sauce joints all over New Orleans because mm-hmm. there's the Italian population there. Kansas City there. has them. Um, you know it's amazing and. You don't necessarily need to be Italian to be running these places, like now. No,
0: every great Italian restaurant in the city is rent, is, has Albanians all it's over. It's
1: Albanians, them. Greeks. You know, it's yeah. It really Sorry is. That. That's, it's it's amazing. It's amazing how the culture has just sort of gone gone off.
0: And in the kitchen, it's all Ecuadorians and Mexicans cooking anyway. So it's like, <laughs> yeah.
1: Mean? I mean, that's that's a culture, right?
0: that that was the first time i had um fried
1: was it was
0: uh in the working as a busboy at Chuto Bene. that's what they made for the for
1: themselves cuz they liked spicy food one of the um uh, one of the uh articles in this series is um the chef carrying on chicago's red sauce legacy is ecuadorian he's an ecuadorian ecuadorian immigrant and you know that's it he rose through the, um rose through the ranks of, you know, cooks up through the kitchen, and then opened up an Italian steakhouse, and now it's, you know, it's a red sauce joint. But what are some What are some red sauce joints that are famous in New York? Don Pepe's,
0: mm-hmm. Mario's, mm-hmm. The, on, uh, yeah, on Arthur Avenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, what Carmine's? Parkside. Car- but Carmine's is Carmine's is. Fa- it's Don Pepe's if they actually wanted to extend it. It's yeah, family but, style but, red sauce.
1: Is Carmine's? I feel like Carmine's is an ode to red sauce joints. I don't think Carmine's has been open. It's been open since like the 90s, I think. I mean, I it hasn't think...
0: been open like 100 years, but I, right. it is a red sauce. It's not an Italian restaurant. It's not Carbone doing red sauce elevated. It's a red sauce joint. Yeah. It's not a 100-year-old red sauce. They, they open them in like really good locations, and that's it. Yeah. I don't think that – I've actually never ate at Carmine's because I'd rather go to Don Pepe's. But they're—I'm sure they're like fine restaurants. Parkside
1: and Corona is one of them. Um, let's see. Oh, um, oh, the place in Astoria that I can't think of right now. Uh, the big, really nice Italian one in—you know—where the MP,
0: MP taverna No,
1: no, I don't know. La La Chinca? I don't know. I'll—I'll I'll figure it out. Um, and it'll be too late for <laughs> for this broadcast anyway. Uh-huh. Um, and then I think the grandfather—not the grandfather, but the Sort of, you know, king of them all, just because of its exclusivity, is Rayos.
0: I don't even consider that a restaurant. Like,
1: <laughs> that's, is that's it a, a restaurant if club. you can't eat there? Like, yeah. it's a social <laughs> club that you can't get into.
0: Yeah, like, and my my girlfriend lives around the corner from it.
1: From Rayos. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, why don't you tell everybody about Rayos? Rayos
0: is a restaurant where you don't have. They don't take reservations because a certain amount of people have their own table.
1: You you basically just own a table at Ryan's. And
0: you might own it for every night. You might own it every Friday. You might own it one Friday a month, whatever it is. But everyone has, like, a standing reservation there.
1: For, you know, for a 100 years. <laughs> I don't know how you get one. I mean, it was opened in 1896, so and it's been there. It is Italian, red sauce.
0: Yeah, I don't understand how it works. I just know the best way to eat there is to go to the one in Vegas. <laughs>
1: But yeah, it's um, it is a you just can't get in. You just you can't get the dinner, table, right? You want a reservation? I, there? If you go and you go to charity events, mm-hmm. and you can usually they're they're auctioned off and things like that. How so, was it? It's good. It's good. It's red sauce Italian. It's I mean, it's the experience is insane. The experience who did you see is while you were amazing. There? Um, I don't remember. I don't remember. We did see someone famous, but I forget who. Um. <laughs> But anyway, that's, I mean, go check out this series of articles. It is insane. <laughs> if you like Italian red sauce joints, um, it's just a really great series. And I mean, we, who doesn't love Italian red
0: sauce joints? Everyone. Yeah. Everyone loves Italian.
1: <laughs> anyway, we've got to take a break. We've been rambling for, for 20 minutes already. Um, Coming up next, who do we have?
0: We've got... Matt Joswiak.
1: Yeah, Matt Joswiak, who is the uh, the founder of Rethink Food, which is an amazing story. Um, you should stay tuned. Uh, we'll be back in a minute. This is the Not A Foodie Show. Back after this. Hey, everyone. It's Tom from the Not A Foodie Show. Are you a small business looking to advertise to a food and restaurant-loving audience? The Not A Foodie radio show has advertising opportunities available that fit a range of budgets. For a free consultation or for more information, email info at notafoodie.com. That's info at notafoodie.com. Hey, Mike, where are we? We're in beautiful Greenpoint, Brooklyn at the BK Media Studio. The BK Media Studio is the home of the Not A Foodie podcast. It's so much better than my dining room table where we started this little venture.
0: It has full video capabilities, full audio capabilities.
1: If you're looking for a studio to record a podcast, to do an interview, to record a YouTube show or anything, think of the BK Media Studio. The number is 917-300-9123. You can come in, take a tour, book a session tell them that the not a foodie show sent you and I'm sure we'll work out some sort of a discount. BK Media Studio in the heart of Greenpoint Brooklyn. Right next to the G train. Brooklyn's most convenient studio. And we are back with the Not A Foodie Show on Radio Rapa, 620 AM. That was very smooth. I know. That was good, right? Yeah. <laughs> at Not A Foodie Show on Twitter, at Not A Foodie Show on Instagram. Mike, we've got a special guest.
0: Very, very special guest I've been really excited to bring on the show.
1: Uh, Matt. Matt Joswiak. Joswiak? Joswiak. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I just asked you what it was, and I, I still can't get it right. So Matt is the executive director and founder at Rethink. Is it Rethink Food or just Rethink? Rethink Food. Rethink Food. Um, it's a, a wonderful organization. From you know everything that I've been reading, it's something that um, is really near and dear to to my heart. And why don't you tell everybody sort of what the organization is and the problem that you're tackling?
2: Sure. So. Um... Every year, between 35 and 45% of food is discarded in New York City, mm-hmm. uh, while 1 in 6, and depending on who you ask, 1 in 7, uh, live in food-insecure environments. So it's a pretty ridiculous problem. Especially um, in this city, yeah.
0: where there's so much, vast amount of wealth
2: yeah well,
1: I mean that's that's the city right there's so much excess on one side of it mm-hmm. and so much poverty on the other
2: it's an equity issue you know yeah. and it's just sharing equity and nobody has a problem with sharing um actually it's beneficial for the business to share uh for tax purposes PR purposes waste removal purposes it's, it's beneficial for them to just do it there's just never been an organization that was willing to just mm-hmm. do that
1: right right so what how are you tackling this problem what are you what are you doing
2: so just really meeting it head on. So the way that it started when kind of the first inception was just getting a whiteboard out and saying, why don't people donate food? And why is it hard to get people the food that they need? Mm-hmm. And we just went problem by problem from whether it's containers to tax issues, to liability issues, to trucking issues, scheduling issues. It d- didn't matter. Whatever, whatever it was, we found an approach, uh, found a method, found a way, and then just kept moving forward.
1: Well, and and your way is that you you've you worked with you work with restaurants and with um, with events and organizations that are throwing events, and you take their leftover food. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so you is it is it working specifically with restaurants around meals, or is it, um, is it large scale events, or how how does that work?
2: It's a lot of different things. So we actually take from a couple different places. You know, we take from you know we partnered in two thousand eighteen with uh, Goldman Sachs. Mm-hmm. Oh their, wow! And their carpet corporate cafeteria, and uh, we collect their excess from that massive organization. Um, J.P. Morgan, we've partnered with from their uh, place in Brooklyn, which, you know, feeds about six, 7,000 people a day, so wow. we can get, you know, we'll get a pickup of, like, 500 pounds, 600 pounds of food over and, a week. Are right.
1: most of these prepared meals,
2: or are they... Every odd and end you can think of. It's a, it's a uh, grab-and-go sandwich. It's um, some soup. It's some um, Sometimes I it, this well, yeah. Wow. Um, you know, it's really whatever. And it's our job to put it together. So we'll take, you know, the, the the thing that I always kinda look at is we'll get like couscous from, you know, Goldman Sachs, mushroom puree from Eleven Madison Park, roasted veggies from, you know, Gramercy Tavern, and we'll put it all together. It'll be a couscous dish that's, you know, coated in roasted mushroom puree and then, you know, with with some beautiful roasted veggies on it and then we'll get you know herbs from square roots or um gotham greens gotham greens is a great partner that we have um and we'll garnish it with some fresh herbs
1: oh wow so you you're taking all of this you're taking all of this leftover all of this you know stuff that would normally be wasted um do you have a a facility someplace like a a commercial kitchen where you're putting it all together or
2: yeah we have a commercial kitchen in the Brooklyn Navy Yard we have a kitchen staff of about five um, that, you know, basically every morning comes in with a walk-in from our delivery drivers, or drivers that are out on the road. Full walk-in, full of just craziness. Uh, they sort it all, put it all together, and uh, are able to produce around, you know, depending on the day, anywhere from four to 800 meals a day.
1: Wow, that's great. And then, uh, so so you've got that side of it where you're taking it, you're preparing it, and then where does it go after it's finished?
2: So This is a big thing that actually people don't, talk about you know and it's something that really bothers me because people always say oh you know it's the homeless but it you know it's the homeless is a very finite population in New York City it's a massive problem but it's a small smaller problem when we look at food insecurity as a whole so we work with charity partners um, all over the city North Brooklyn Angels neighbors together um, and they basically tell us what they need so they basically like order from us what time do you want it dropped off how many trays of food do you need um, and it's a it's as difficult of a process as coordinating the pickups. It's as difficult as making the food is coordinating with them to figure out what's going on.
0: I live up in Harlem, and uh, there every Friday and Saturday there's a food bank, and the line's around the block. And these aren't homeless people. These yeah. are just regular working people who can't afford it. Well, um, so just what you were saying with food insecurity, it is so much more.
2: Yeah, wealth and, inequality is you know, very real, um, and you know, there's a lot of equity out there, and people are willing to share, um, but it is a problem. You know, we were doing strategic planning, and, and we were talking about, you know, where should we distribute our meals, What what's the best place, what's the location we're trying to hit, and we're like, you know, I was like, well, people that can't afford a, a nice, healthy lunch. I was thinking about it, I'm like, that's 75% of the city, you know? Yeah. Like, it's, um, it's crazy, and even, you know, if I try to, like, seamless something healthy, at two o'clock like 20 bucks yeah 20 bucks and my options are sushi pizza you know like yeah and and that's it so if you wanted to get like roasted vegetables and a grilled chicken breast and a bunch of like you know um like some healthy grain or quinoa like forget it yeah you can't do it Uh, and and i mean and that's not even to talk about you know the the areas
1: of the city that are just food deserts you know quote unquote food deserts where you know, it's easier and cheaper to get junk food than it is to get a healthy meal like that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, it's. I mean, do you work with um? Do you ever work with CSAs, um, community supported agriculture sort of uh, initiatives? So like um, like food co-ops and <coughs> things like that.
2: Sometimes we'll get some reach out from them because they'll people have those baskets or whatever, mm-hmm. and they like nobody picks them up.
1: Yeah. I, I. I. I'm one of the um, one of the chair people of the. Community supported agriculture in my neighborhood, and we have so we have a list of charities that we donate. Um, if people can't pick up their vegetables one night, yeah. so you know every Tuesday we get vegetable deliveries, and if someone is on vacation or whatever, you know we'll donate that. Uh, so you you take you take prepared meals, you take fresh food,
2: take anything, anything, anything. <laughs> we'll, we'll take anything. We'll take paper plates. We'll take bottled water. We'll take whatever, whatever it is. You know we collect from events sometimes and when we collect from an event we go to our charity partners afterwards and we say hey like we have we have forks now we have plates now we have napkins we have containers we have bottled water we have juices we have all this stuff because it all after an event like that it all ends up in the trash.
1: Wow that's and that's horrifying to think it's hard you know I've been to these Giant events, and Mike, I'm sure you have. I mean, like,
0: I you said cater, yeah. I was uh, gonna say working Indian at those weddings, events, like right? 500
1: person weddings, and yeah, most of that stuff. It's it's well, amazing to think that a lot of that stuff is just gone. And
0: even if the for the weddings and stuff, even if the families take it home, it's a portion of it's still going to the trash. Like some of it's gonna get ate, some of right. it's not,
1: yeah, yeah. So, how, how big is your fleet? Like, how many, how do you, how do you I'm assuming you have trucks yeah, we have that do two, all
2: of this? Yeah, we have two trucks. Um, and then, you know, six days a week, trucks are on the road. Five days a week, there's a truck on the road from anywhere from seven, eight in the morning till basically one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. Wow. Keep the trucks going out there, picking up as much as they can, getting as much as they can back into the facility, pushing the kitchen to create as much as possible and get it out.
0: And this is just five cooks doing this? Wow.
2: Yeah, it's like, you know, and it, it, we have some part-time. Sometimes we have some volunteer. You know, it's depending on what's going on. Sometimes we have, like, massive, massive input that we need, like, really to bring people in, but sometimes we, you know, sometimes we have light days, too. We don't, we don't know what's going to happen every day, so we got to... <sighs> Just be prepared.
1: Yeah. Well, and it, are, are these people that work, are, I mean, are there volunteers that work with you or they're, you know, is, on staff or how, do, how does that work? What's the structure of your Well, company? we
2: have, food safety is really, 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 really important to yeah, us. Yeah, I would it's imagine. the most important thing to us. So like, it's like, you know, we, volunteers are like, oh, I want to do the pickups and I want to do this. It's like, yeah, you can come along, but like there needs to be a paid employee Mm-hmm. That is responsible for signing off like everything's temperature control that rethink so like when we pick up the food the temperature is monitored it's logged the temperature of the trucks logged um, then it's signed off from a manager and then a truck comes back and it's put in the it's time stamp when it goes in the refrigerator and then comes out everything is like every morsel of food from basically start to finish is kind of followed through rethink um, it's really unbelievably complicated when you go through the logistics of it but <clears throat> you know if we have a volunteer doing it and they're like they don't care or they're not going to lose their job if something goes wrong like we can't have that so kitchen staff is primarily paid uh full-time employees um that you know we that are held that are held you know accountable for their for their actions so we have to make sure that that's safe so that's why we kind of stray away from Massive amounts of volunteers.
1: Right. Well, I I think I guess what I was getting at is, you know, you've got this, you've got this great system where you're getting everything donated and you're redistributing out to people that are in need. But you know, you still need money. There's no, you know, so you, you do you survive primarily on do donations or just monthly like, donors? That's month, what that, monthly donors. Subscription donors. Yeah. subscription
2: donors. Subscription donors. You know, seven dollars a month, ten dollars a month. I always say, if you can afford Netflix, you can afford to fight food insecurity. And Netflix <laughs>
0: just went up. <laughs> Netflix is 12.99 now. So wow. there you go. So you can and
1: binge watch Orange is the New Black or you can help feed people. Well, and you, could, you can help feed people.
0: Or you could uh, get Spotify, it comes with Hulu, <laughs> cancel Netflix and yeah. start subscribing to Rethink and That's actually it. help people.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's it's what we rely on, you know. So it's it's we have some really great, you know, large donors that kind of put like the, you know, bias trucks and that kind of stuff, but we have, you know, we, we rely on donations, um, especially monthly donors, uh, to help us, you know, get to where we need to be. Right. And yeah. you just had
1: a big gala as well to raise some money. Yeah. Um, that was at 11 Madison Park. Is yeah. that correct? And from what I saw, there were some, some celebrities there.
2: And, yeah. You know, that's, so, that's great.
0: So you were a, a line cook at EMP
2: or? Yeah. I was a, a chef de partie line cook at the 11 Madison Park.
1: So how, how did this all come about? I mean, you, you're not from New York. You were saying, you know, earlier, you, you came to New York from Wisconsin, is that right?
2: No, I didn't, I, I came from New York from Chicago. I, okay. I kind of had an interesting journey. I was at the University of Kansas um, when I started cooking in Lawrence, um, and I, you know, needed a job freshman year. I got a job as a cook, I moved to Chicago. I moved to Europe um, in oh, 2010. And I worked in, you know, France and for a year in some fancy restaurants. And then I moved to Copenhagen and went to Noma. And then I got back to Chicago and I was at Alinea. And then I went, and I I've i never heard of any of these places. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> just for anyone that doesn't know, he's
1: just naming the best restaurants in the world. The, That's it.
0: Legitimately, three of the best restaurants <laughs> yes. in the world, <laughs> by by far. Yes, you just missed your Il Buli. Uh. <laughs> well,
2: I was actually I, I was supposed <laughs> to go to Il Buli, but I was I missed the cutoff point from when they were closing, uh-huh. and they they sent me this really nice email. I remember it was just like, <laughs> "We're so sorry, you just missed the list," and you know I was supposed to like be a stage there for the season, but I, I didn't make it. So, uh. <laughs> so um, Which is good, you know. so I went to Copenhagen and I met a lot of really great people and a friend of mine was living in New York and kind of trying to teach kids how to cook and do this thing, so I, um, I was in Chicago and I was working and uh, at that point I was managing some restaurant as a chef and um, he was like, you wanna to come to New York and kind of help me out with this thing. And, and, I, and
1: this thing was like, so teaching kids to cook, you're talking about like, like school age kids yeah. or yeah, okay. Yeah,
2: like going to the Bronx and like going to charter schools or whatever school they let us in and you know, doing like a this how you make salad kind of thing. Awesome. And um, mm-hmm. you know, it was great. I was really into it. Um, <laughs> but I realized that there was like a lot of people, you know, trying to basically do this and it wasn't really what the problem was, you know, it's like there's it it was a it was a feel good project. It was for me. Mm-hmm. It, was, it felt very selfish. So um, I kind of stepped away. I started working at Eleven Madison Park um, as a chef and just kind of focused on that until I knew what I wanted to do. And at one point I was like, you know, I, 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 think, I, I think I got it. I'm, gonna, I'm going to teach kids how to cook, but I'm doing it in a very different way. Be very, you know, very clear, very honest, very transparent. And But one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure that they go home with fresh food every day. And, you know, I was having dinner with my fiance, uh, girlfriend at the time, and we were sitting at the Nomad and I was like, well, part of this will always be me taking some food from like these places that I know that have food and getting it to them. And she was like, well, why don't you just do that? That simple idea that that's just do that, do that well. And I said, "Okay, you're you're totally right. You're you're 100 percent right. So I just thought you know let's figure this out let's try to let's try to beat this thing
0: so it, is rethink where you want it to be are you trying to do or besides making more meals and feeding more people is there anything else you're hoping to accomplish with it or is it like you're you're you figured out what you're doing and you're set to do it
2: uh, that's it i think uh, you know i think that a lot of problems arise from organizations trying to do too much mm-hmm. and i think that you know it's like i look at rethink like any 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 business You know, just because it's nonprofit doesn't mean that, you know, we don't have to manage employees and have company culture and do all that kind of crazy stuff. You know, we really run it like we run it like a for-profit business and we treat our diners like they're paying customers. Um, We this problem is 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 relatively clear, but there's a lot of people approaching it in kind of different ways. But they're approaching one part of it and then they're doing policy or they're approaching you know, this side of it, and then they have a consulting thing, or, you know, like, there's all these kind of mismatched approaches, but, like, I just want to do this. I don't, I have no interest in policy. None. Mm -hmm. Absolutely none. I have no interest in trying to, like, everything that we do is within the frame of, you know, is is legal, so I I don't see a reason that I need a policy arm. Right. I don't want to, I want to use the free market to incentivize people to actually donate their food, so we try to get, you know, bigger tax write-offs. We try to get,
0: I saw a fifteen thousand dollar tax write off, which is huge if you're a small business doing this.
1: Yeah, well, and it's I I think that that's something that I've always, um, I've always found mind boggling is that you're giving to charity or doing something good for the environment or doing something socially conscious doesn't mean that you're just throwing money away. There are ways to be profitable yeah. doing this. There are ways to do this in in a sense that you're not know you know it's not that sort of, oh, this is this pipe tree, and then I'm just donating money to that I can forget about. Like there are business models that can be that can be enhanced by being socially conscious,
0: so uh, Matt, we're running out of time. I just I want you to plug the beer, okay, and all your social and anything else you want to plug about rethink
2: sure. um okay. so we just made a beer with Evil Twin. It's available at the nomad right now.. Um, it's a citrus beer that we collected all the excess from the Nomad Bar and then we used spent grains from the brewery and made a totally waste-free beer.
1: Oh man, that's awesome. Very
2: cool. Where the proceeds go to rethink. Um, we really do rely on monthly donors. Your money actually goes towards operations and trucks and like things that actually matter. Not saying that other donations don't, but this one will specifically go to operations. Um, so please visit rethinkfood.nyc and become a monthly supporter. You will not regret it.
1: Yeah, I mean the the, the donate button is right on the upper right hand corner. Mm-hmm. Just click that button. I yep. mean I'm going to
2: do it. Yeah, five dollars, <laughs> one dollar, it really doesn't matter. It actually, it really, really, really makes a difference.
0: And then do you want to plug any social?
2: Sure. And you can visit us at inst- on Instagram at rethinkfood.nyc is uh, our Instagram handle. And um, yeah, awesome. Great.
1: Great well, I mean th- this is this is really something that I it, it's near and dear to my heart. Um, I'm always very, very interested in how people are taking waste and turning it into something um, that that benefits everybody you know, I, we've talked about the billion oyster project before we've talked about you know collecting you know sh- shells to build reefs in in New York harbor i mean this this sort of is one of those things that I really really love so um Matt I mean this is this is great we want you to come back at some point and talk more about maybe come on the long form podcast and we could do a whole big thing Um, love it but we are gonna we do another segment after this so we'd
0: love for you to stick around for sure awesome it's a quick one
1: great all right thanks Matt you're listening to the not a foodie show radio rampa 620 a.m. we'll be back in a minute Hey, Mike, where are we? We're in beautiful Greenpoint, Brooklyn at the BK Media Studio. The BK Media Studio is the home of the Not A Foodie podcast. It's so much better than my dining room table where we started this little venture.
0: It has full video capabilities, full audio capabilities.
1: If you're looking for a studio to record a podcast, to do an interview, to record a YouTube show or anything, think of the BK Media Studio. The number is 917-300-9123. You can come in, take a tour, book a Session, tell them that the Not a Foodie Show sent you, and I'm sure we'll work out some sort of a discount. BK Media Studio in the heart of Greenpoint, Brooklyn, right next to the G Train. Brooklyn's most convenient studio.
0: And we're back. Thanks for tuning in. 6:20 a.m. Radio Rampa. It's the Not a Foodie Show. Time for our last segment of the day. I my got,
1: favorite, my favorite segment.
0: I got Matt to stick around because I uh, asked him on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, um, what are we drinking tonight? The only rule is you can't say Negroni.
1: So you got to put yourself in the mindset where it's Saturday afternoon because, you know, even though it's, we record on a different day, it's Saturday when this is airing. <laughs> um, you're going home. You just finished a nice day of ra- recording a radio show. You're kicking back. What are you going to drink?
2: I'm gonna head to the Nomad, and they have this beer on tap called Le Poulet. It's this brown brown ale, I guess, and it's fantastic. Who who brews it? Brooklyn.
0: Brooklyn Brewery. Yeah. Brooklyn
2: Brewery. Yeah. Nice. Sit there and have. Shout
0: out what's his name? Garrett Oliver, the the master brewer. I I I have no idea. Yeah. (laughs) Amazing. He's like won James Beard awards. No, no big deal.
2: Okay. you know, four or five of them. They're great. What? So
1: what's the? uh, So it's a brown ale. like what's the flavor of it is it like nuttier yeah it's just like a little
2: nuttier but it's not like heavy it's not that it's like the perfect balance between something that's kind of even like that's you know like a pilsner and just something with some flavor and uh, it pairs with the chicken but I always sit there I'll eat some fried chicken if you've ever had that at the Nomad it's fantastic yeah and brown ale and sit at the bar and hang out All right, great Mike what are you drinking
0: I'm gonna do um, hmm come back what are you drinking (laughs) <laughs> Come back to me. Yeah. <laughs> what are you drinking, Tom?
1: So I am going to drink a Perfect Rob Roy. Okay. Because I had one last weekend, and I just decided that I wanted to drink a 1970s cocktail, and, but sort of make it a little bit more my own. Um, so I use um, Lefroy. So you get like a really good Isla, you know, smoky and peat. Yeah. But um, because you're doing that, I don't, I don't make it a, like a regular Rob Roy where you're using sweet vermouth. I switch it up so you do a little bit of sweet vermouth, a little bit of dry vermouth. The sweet doesn't pair well with like the smoky mm-hmm. peaty. So um, that's it. It's th- three. What is it? Like a half an ounce of uh, whiskey and then three quarters of an ounce, split down the middle, of sweet and dry vermouth, dash of bitters. So it's that's like it. a vermouth
0: cocktail. A
1: little bit of whiskey. It's a it's a Manhattan. It's a Manhattan, but you use Scotch instead. Yeah, nice. So.
0: nice. I'm gonna have a Red Devil.
1: What's a Red Devil?
0: I don't know. It's a drink from the '90s
1: that has a bunch of stuff in it. What? Yeah. <laughs> and then you're gonna go home and watch Friends, or no, I'm, gonna like... block, I'm gonna black
0: out because there's like five things in it. Oops. There's like jaeger and peach
1: schnapps and like all these different. You're gonna types. have an Alabama slammer with a slide side of uh, Long yeah, Island iced Yeah, it's, it's Ice essentially team. the like... same thing as Alabama slammer. What is it? You gotta look it up. Oh, yeah. I'm looking it up right now. Do you know what a Red Devil is? Like? No idea. No idea. A drink. <laughs> You know what makes for great radio is googling things. On, <laughs> on, on the air. All right, one and
0: a half ounce vodka, one and a half ounce schnapps, one and a half ounce. Wait, So-co. what kind of schnapps? Peach.
1: Peach schnapps. One
0: and a half ounce Soko. One So-co. One and a half ounce slow gin. Two ounces of triple sec. Two ounces of orange juice. One splash grenadine.
1: You know what we used to call that? Oh, what's that cocktail that we would call like a garbage shot? Is when you take the little tray from yeah. the uh, the bar and just dump it into a shot glass. Uh, uh-huh. Like that's what that sounds like. Uh-huh. I, I I don't think I've ever had Oh no, I mean, I'm gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> You're not gonna die, but I mean we need to Oh do my it. god,
0: the recipes from nineteen ninety
1: eight. Yeah. Perfect. Of course. Of course. I mean, it has soco in it, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> the the height of uh, bartending
1: yeah. cocktails. <laughs> oh man, well that's that's awesome. <laughs> so what do we think? Are we gonna end on that note? Yes. I, like we're done with that. <laughs> I think that I think that we need to do like a whole a complete segment or maybe a complete episode on really crazy cocktails from the 80s and oh, 90s. Oh, uh, I
0: ran into Bobby.
1: He wants to come back on. All so right, we great. So bring Bobby back so on. There we go. Just <laughs> talk about that. And be thrilled. All right, so this is the Not a Foodie Show on Radio Rampa, 620 AM. Matt, thanks for sticking around. Everybody needs to go and donate. Don- donate, donate, donate. Go to rethinkfood.nyc and hit the donate button. Become a monthly
2: donator? Subscription yeah, and donator? If you don't do it, Nobody actually will. You actually have to do it if it's going to happen. Yes. (laughs) All right.
1: Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week. Thank you.